Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? We're going to be continuing today the series that we've started. Probably a while. It's been a while. It's been like two weeks on St. Thomas's method. We went over the history of theology, and then now we're specifically going over his method, especially in relation to Aristotle's thought, uh, especially in posterior analytics. So we've taken another uh, break to speak a little bit about a posteriori, a priori, uh, arguments and then the demonstrative medium, what all that fun stuff means. Um, also, as a reminder, uh, do not forget, eventually I will be releasing a fun course on logic. So that's always fun. Oh, joy. I actually made this, this stream public. Well, everybody who's going to see this, have fun because this is the patron stream. So, whoops. I think that's the first time I've ever done that, but well, I hope you guys have fun. I was wondering why I saw somebody jump on to watch. That was, uh, that was quite interesting. Okay, so today we're going to be speaking about a priori demonstration. If you remember, the difference between a priori and a posteriori demonstration is that a uh, posteriori goes from effect to cause. So we are just tracing a sort of epistemological uh, causality. So the causality of knowing or a logical causality. And when it comes to a priori, we're looking at the real or ontological causality of the thing. The reason for, uh, we're seeking the reason for which it exists and going what's called analytically rather than synthetically. That's the difference between a priori and a posteriori judgment. So... Uh, I will start, but let us further consider a priori demonstration. Let us take, for example, a being composed from soul and body is mortal, but man is composed from soul and body. Therefore, man is mortal. So the reason this is an a priori demonstration, and he's going to explain this, but I'm going to explain it first in a little bit simpler terms, is because the reason for man's mortality is his composition of body and soul. So we're going from the real reason or the real ontological cause of his mortality. And we're going from the causes of things to their effects. So from his composition of soul and body to his mortality. Now, an example, if we wanted to switch this to a posteriori demonstration is let's say we're trying to demonstrate that man is composed of body and soul. We would go around, we would look at a bunch of different men, we would see, hey, they die. They are clearly mortal. Therefore, we can conclude that man is a being composed of body and soul. So reasoning rather than from causes to effects, we're reasoning from effects to causes. Now would be a posteriori demonstration. But right now we're talking about a priori demonstration. The a priori is both epistemological and ontological where a uh, posteriori is merely epistemological. It's merely exp uh, finding, it's merely demonstrating some knowledge, not demonstrating uh, ontological causality. So in this example, the major expresses the reason on account of which or wherefore beings are mortal. So we're demonstrating reasons why in the major, which is a being composed from body and soul is mortal. That is why man is mortal. It's because... Uh, that fundamental law right there. 
and this reason is employed as the medium of demonstration. So again, we were talking about the medium of demonstration before. Now we're going to get into what exactly the medium of demonstration is. Wherefore, the demonstration not only tells that man is mortal, but also on account of which cause man is mortal. Therefore, this demonstration is called demonstration wherefore. This demonstration is had whenever the demonstration is made through a cause convertible with the effect, i.e. whenever the demonstration is made through a cause so related to the effect that together the cause infers the effect and the effect infers the cause. As, for example, in an equilateral quadrilateral, a.k.a. a square, the cause for equal angel, angles infers the effect uh, equal diagonals. And together, the effect equal diagonals infers the cause for equal angles. Or so, for example, the cause composition from contraries uh, infers the effect corruptibility, while together the effect corruptibility infers the cause composition from contraries. Or again, in other words, whenever the demonstration is made through the cause given which the effect must be had and without which the effect cannot be had. So this there's a certain perfection when we are... Uh, when we have a demonstration wherefore, because what we can do is we can switch everything around if we want. We can say um, man is composed of body and soul, but a being composed from uh, body and soul is mortal. Therefore, man is mortal. Or we can say uh, man is mortal. A, uh, a mortal being is composed of body and soul. Therefore, man is composed of body and soul. The effect and the cause in, in this sort of demonstration are perfectly interchangeable. We can switch around the syllogism however we want, where in other cases, we wouldn't be able to switch around the syllogism. Uh, for then, the cause is said of the effect, either in the first manner of saying, per se, primarily, or in the second manner of saying, per se, primarily, or in the third manner, or in the fourth manner of saying per se, uh, uh, of saying per se. So I'm gonna quick switch my screen because uh, what are these? What are these ways in which we speak of per se? What are these uh, first, second, and fourth manner of speaking of per se, wherein we can have a a priori demonstration with that level of perfection and demonstration uh, propter quid. So I'm going to switch over, and this is going to be from St. Thomas's commentary on posterior analytics. So, so therefore, the first way of saying something per se is when that which is attributed to a subject pertains to its form. And because the form and essence of a thing are signified by its definition, the first mode of that which is per se is when the definition itself or something expressed in the definition is predicated of the thing defined. So the first way of saying something is per se is saying that it's per se by definition. So if we say man is a rational animal, uh, rational animal is the essence of man. So this is uh, that, that would be in the first way of predication. The second mode of saying per se is when this preposition per implies a relationship of material cause in the sense uh, that that to which something is attributed to its proper matter and subject. For it is required when defining an accident to mention its proper subject in one of the oblique causes. 
Thus, when an action is defined abstractly, we say that aquinity, I'm sorry, these words are terrible to pronounce, is a curvature of a nose. Oh, there you go. Man, that is that is something to add to your di dictionary right there. Aquil aquilin aquilinity. That is a technical term for the curvature of a nose. And when, uh, when it is defined concretely, the subject is put in the nominative case so that we say that the aquiline is a curved nose. Now, the reason for this is that since the being of an accident depends on the subject, its definition, which signifies its being, must mention that subject. Hence, in the second mode of saying per se, when the subject is mentioned in the definition of a predicate, which is a proper accident of that subject. There you go. When we speak of the accidents of a subject, that's the second mode of causality. So we say um, that man is white. The material cause of that accident whiteness is the man. So that's going to be the second way of predication per se. Then the third way, then at further, that is essential. He sets down another mode of that which is per se. That is the sense in which it signifies something in isolation. Thus something which is in a singular in the genus or of substance and which is not predicated of any subject is said to be per se. The reason for this is that when I say walking or white, I do not signify either of them as understood isolated or apart since something else uh, which is walking or white is understood. But this is not the case with terms that signify uh, a this something that is when terms that signify first substance so what this is basically saying is you have an you have a certain accident not predicated of a subject like we have in the second way but it is predicated uh ipso so it's predicated uh or ipsum it's predicated in itself so if we thought of whiteness in itself or if we thought of um I don't know, uh, walking in itself. It, it's a certain uh, universal that's existing in itself. And then the fourth mode. Uh, then at, in another sense again, he gives the fourth mode, according to which the preposition per designates a relationship of efficient cause or of any other. Consequently, he says that whatever is attributed to a thing because of itself is said to be uh, said of it per se. But whenever... Uh, it, but whatever is not so attributed is said per accidents, as when I say, while he was walking, it lightened, for, or it lightened, it, it lightened, it lightened, for it is not the fact that he walks that causes lightning, but this is said by coincidence. But if the predicate is in the subject because of itself, it is per se, as when we say slaughtered, it died. For it is obvious that because something was slaughtered, it died. And it is not a mere coincidence that something slaughtered should die. So, yeah, the relationship of efficient causality in this one. Okay, so going back. And I'll keep referencing to this, and I will remind you, I don't expect you to remember all four of these. So when it comes to a priori demonstration, it's going to be in the first manner, the second manner, and the fourth manner. So the way in which we cannot speak of speak of it like this is if we're speaking of it in itself. And then it manifests either its specific nature, so just uh, like we spoke of, um, with its, with its uh, essence, 
like man is a rational animal or its property, just like when we spoke of uh, in the second manner, that is a certain uh, proper accident or its proper act. Proper act is referring to the efficient causality. And in each case is manifested the reason on account of which in the conclusion P befits S. So the the uh, the reason wherefore, so the proper quid of of um, a priori demonstration is going to be found in the first, second, fourth manner of saying per se. So therefore, demonstration wherefore, propter quid, is had not only when the demonstration is wrought through approximate cause, as in the example given, but also whenever the demonstration is wrought through a remote cause. So not only near, but also far, provided it is a cause convertible with the effect, as we said above. Thus, every spiritual substance acts from free choice can be assumed for demonstration wherefore, even though it is from a remote cause. For a spiritual substance acts not from itself, but through the medium of its faculties. As in the example, every spiritual substance acts from free choice, but human soul is a spiritual substance. Therefore, human soul acts from free choice. So we see in this, this is convertible because uh, when, it, when it comes to a certain analysis of cause and effect, the cause of the soul uh, acting from free choice is that it is a spiritual substance. So these are convertible. We know that it acts from free choice. Therefore, it must be a spiritual substance. We can convert that with uh, the human soul is a spiritual substance. Therefore, we know it acts from free choice because there's a sort of proper um, relationship between the two. But it is to be known that when in demonstration, wherefore, a passion is proved about a subject through a medium, which is the definition, it must needs be that the first proposition, whose predicate is the passion and whose subject is the definition, which contains the principle of the passion, be per se in the fourth mode. But the second proposition, whose subject uh, is the subject itself and whose predicate is the definition itself, <clears throat> must needs be in the first mode. But the conclusion in which the passion is predicated of the subject is per se in the second mode. Let's, for example, uh, what is to be demonstrated be that uh, to man befits this passion or property, namely capability of science or the capability of knowledge. And let it be demonstrated in this way. A rational animal is capable of science, but man is a rational animal. Therefore, man is capable of science. And we can see uh, from the examples we've given above and also the nature of a priori demonstration that this is, in fact, an a priori demonstration. In this syllogism, the medium assumed is rational animal. So the demonstrative medium is rational animal. It's being predicated per se which is the definition of the subject. So that if you remember the four ways of saying per se, that's the first way of saying per se, uh, namely of, of man, about which is to be proved and is proved the passion, namely the capability of science. Now, in the first or major proposition, the definition of the subject, namely of man, is the subject and the passion is the predicate. But in the second or minor proposition, so this is major proposition, this is minor proposition, if you guys didn't know, the subject is that very subject of which the passion is to be proved and is proved, and the predicate is the definition itself. But the passion or capability of science 
is said in the major proposition about rational animal in the fourth manner of saying per se. So if you remember the fourth manner of per se, uh, of saying per se, it's of, of efficient causality. So the nature uh, can be said in a sense to be the efficient cause of a certain proper faculty of man. Uh, that is the, the capability of knowledge. And it is said of man in the conclusion in the second manner of saying per se. And if you don't remember uh, when it comes to the second manner of per se, it has to do with a proper accident. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, I was down here. In this demonstration, the conclusion cannot be in the first manner of saying per se. For since science is a property of conclusions, what are properly called scientific knowledge are the conclusions of demonstration. So we can't say it in the, in the first sense, obviously, uh, because science uh, technically is something which is a uh, result rather than something which is um, uh, of the essence of man in which passions are prescribed of their proper subjects, but proper subjects are not only placed in the definitions of accidents, but also they are causes of them. Wherefore, the conclusions of demonstrations include two ways of saying per se, to wit, the second and the fourth. The predicate of a conclusion in the first manner of saying per se would not be a proper passion of the subject, but its definition. And then there would there would not be in the conclusion another truth than in the premises, so that the syllogism would be merely an explicative syllogism. Similarly, if the conclusion is in the second manner of saying per se, the major must be in the fourth manner. Otherwise, the conclusion would be a mere explication of the major. But now let us take another example. Let us uh, let the example be this. Everything which ages is corruptible, but the body ages, therefore a body is corruptible. Here there is not had demonstration wherefore, proper quid, because the demonstration is not wrought through proper causes convertible with the effect. For the proper cause of corruptibility is not aging, but composition from contrary elements. So this is not an a priori, but an a posteriori statement. But it is wrought through a common cause. And I, sorry, I, it's not a demonstration wherefore. That's what I meant, not that it's a demonstration. It's still a demonstration a priori because it has to do with a, a certain causality uh, from cause to effect. Sorry. But it is wrought through a common cause. In this case, the demonstration proves not only that the predicate is in the subject, i.e. that corruptibility is in the body, but it does not tell on account of which cause. In other words, it does not tell why. And therefore, such demonstration is called demonstration that or demonstration through non-convertible remote uh, causes. So, the big the big picture. So, why did I why did I drag you through all this? So, there's two two ways in which we've distinguished that demonstration. And besides all of the all of the complicated details, first there's that demonstration uh, propter quid. So, with the demonstration propter quid, that is really explaining that that's that's the the way of the wise man to be able to explain proper causes of things where the uh, demonstration quia uh, that that has to do with um, a certain demonstration of the existence of something so you're proving that something exists but really with the former way of doing things you're de demonstrating why it exists so when it comes to the scholastic the demonstrative medium really does matter 
because you don't want to only explain that something is. That's kind of the place of the said contra. The said contra uh, is proving that something is. But when you get into the respondeo, the demonstrative medium has to explain why something is the way it is through its proper causes. So you can't just willy-nilly when you do scholastic theology uh, prove things. You have to prove it through its proper causes. Okay, then I will save demonstration a posteriori for next time. But uh, thank you for listening to that. I know it was probably a little bit complicated, but um, I hope this does, if anything, um, what what is the word for that? It motivates you, it motivates you to uh, to study scholastic logic a bit more because a lot of this stuff you're not going to get through a sort of surface reading of the Summa um, when it comes to forming a theological method of how to be a good theologian. Okay, thank you. And uh, this was an incidental public patron stream. So if you want the rest of the series, uh, become a patron, uh, minimum $5. uh, And if not, you can still help me out. So thank you and God bless.